0: Hi and welcome to Intrepid Wisdom. My name is Deborah J, and on today's episode, we have Marika Bloom. Mirka is a relationship and psychosexual dysfunction specialist. She helps men and women become free from dysfunction and teach them to relate differently in a more healthier way to their sexuality. She has lots of qualifications from applied kinesiology, NLP, hypnosis, brain recursive therapy, personality profiling, breathwork, somatic therapy, micro-expression training, depression and trauma therapies, trauma release exercise and various other therapies and methods through the years of her study, she realized that she had a knack for sex and relationships. And so she threw herself into that, studying a PhD in sexology, psychosexual dysfunction, relationship coaching, sex coaching and neotantric coaching. Wow, that's impressive. You're so welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Deborah. It's wonderful to be here with you today.
0: (laughs) So we connected because I'm doing a few podcasts on relationships and within relationships comes up sex. And what I actually found was a really nice uh, topic to cover because on my own experience in a relationship, I've actually gone through having a partner who essentially had a sex addiction issue. It went completely undiagnosed and it was very much hidden. I knew nothing about it. Um, And it was actually because of talking to a sex therapist that I discovered what was going on. Um, And it kind of put me back in in touch with myself because I had developed during that relationship a full blown fear of sex, like full blown fear of sex. Um, And I thought there was something wrong with me. So I went around to do loads of different therapies pulling myself apart trying to fix myself when in actual fact my body was trying to protect me is what was happening. Um and it was only when everything kind of came out in the wash that I discovered what was going on and I feel that this is a, is a subject that the reason I'd like to discuss it is because it's such a hidden subject. You know, we live in a society where sex sells and that's you know it's pumped you know, through the TV and radio and everything all the time to us. And I feel that the pornography industry is just huge and the sex industry itself. And I feel, and maybe I'm wrong, and this is where I'd love to hear your opinion. I would say that this is in relationships more than we would care to like to admit or know about. And I would say it goes undiagnosed and undisclosed, perhaps Mm. even more than that. So there's so many women because women are my audience, who are suffering in silence, thinking that there's something wrong with them, when in actual fact, their bodies are probably protecting them, just like myself. So I would love to discuss about sex addiction, porn addiction, you know, what's a healthy sex life. So yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to doing this and and what your view is on that.
1: All right. So I'm from a very, very, very young age. I had gone through my own sexual abuse. Um, and not just that I was diagnosed with ADHDs, uh, different ADHDs, as well as, um, sensory processing disorder. Only much later in life, I was finally diagnosed with Asperger's, but that's neither here nor here, there, the, the, the experience that I had with the sexual abuse, the fact that it ripped my entire identity apart, the fact that, you know, I was a really weird kid, really bullied, all of that stuff. And having severe learning disabilities made me think, you know, I'm so broken. There's something so badly, horribly wrong with myself. And I started looking at, you know, a little bit later in life, like in my teens, I wanted to really find solutions to, you know, my weirdness, to my brokenness, if you want to put it that way. and. I very, very, very fortunately had some very open-minded friends, which kind of introduced me to some, you know, alternative therapies and that kind of thing. And and I had a fantastic psychologist that did hypnosis with me as well, child psychologist, um, which I was very fortunate to see at the time when my mom realized something was up. So my interest really grew in all of that stuff because I realized I felt a lot better when I'd worked with him. And I, in later life, kind of after school, started looking into hypnosis. I started looking into all of these things and I eventually got to study in it. I got to study in alternative therapies and methods and so on. And all in the search to fix my broken brain that didn't want to work, that I did not want to remember the stuff that I wanted to remember, you know, calm down, all that stuff and take myself out of those severe OCD, anxiety, depressive states that I was so prone to. So Thankfully, when I started studying it and I started working with people, um, it was so interesting. The majority of my clients ended up people with with sexual abuse. Like I could sense them. They walked through my door and I'd look at them and I'd just go, wow, sexual abuse. And then, you know, I didn't say anything to them because it's not my place to say anything. But as the session would go on, they would all of a sudden tell me I'd been through heavy sexual abuse as a kid. So it was so interesting that I could suss these things out. And they felt safe enough to tell me that. And so I started this process of where I worked with them around whatever it was that was coming up. And I realized I actually really had a great knack for sussing out and helping my clients through their own sexual abuse experiences, through sexual shutdown, through, you know, their anxieties that they were experiencing. And I eventually started getting the money together because it was not a very cheap thing to study was to get into all of this you know training for my you know I'm still busy with my PhD in sexology it's going to be a bit because it's a it's not it's a long process to get your PhD but I started training in the sex coaching I started doing psychosexual dysfunction um, therapies all of that and I got trained and I I flew with it from there you know and it was just an amazing experience to finally help myself, and because I understood myself, you know, why couldn't I connect to people? Why were my relationships like? Why was I sabotaging heavily my relationships? Why was I this way? Why was I that way? Um, and it just helped me to really understand myself, and then bring that across to my own clients. And I think I, I, you know, I did my best to create a safety a container of total safety for my clients in this process, and I think it helped them to understand that I. I'm not in their shoes. I've not gone through the abuse that they've gone through, but I have an idea of what it feels like to go through that. I have an idea of what it feels like to totally lose your identity, to hate your body, to hate yourself, to be so sexually disconnected, to not be able to orgasm, to hate myself. Every time I looked in the mirror, it was this severe hatred, right? I knew what that felt like. But I'd gone through the healing. I'd gone through the therapy. I'd, gone, I'd done the work, and I still do the work till to, to this day, which enabled me to finally start embodying my own, you know, healthy sexual thoughts, my own healthy relationships, you know, uh, containers, all of that stuff. So, when it comes to to you know addictions of any form, there's one thing that you have to understand. Okay, well, there's two. One is you know an addict is an addict because they've been through something themselves. They've been through so much themselves. Secondly, it could be, they could also be an, an addict because of a neurological disorder. You know, I have clients with Asperger's and autism and they're just as much prone to addiction because it helps them to not kind of connect to the bad experience that they're going through currently. Because you know what, when you have intrusive thoughts telling you that you're useless and horrible, you know, you've tried to find something to lift the pain and to go out of it in that moment, not have to deal with it. So people tend to connect with pornography, they tend to connect with um, with, with sex addictions, because it stops them from being in, re- in reality in the moment. It stops them from the pain that they're experiencing in that moment. And it's devastating to the people that's involved, obviously. It's devastating to the families and what's very sad, and that's why I work the way I do is I give support to the family members as well, right, to the person. Because as much as it's devastating to the individual that's got that addiction or the obsession, it is just as devastating as you experience yourself firsthand, Deborah. that, you know, you shut down, you're trying to be protected, right? Your body is protected. There's, a, there's this infinite intelligence that our bodies hold, right? And our bodies are incredibly intelligent. It can pick up vibes and things from people that we don't realize it's doing. Like if you've ever walked into a room and all of a sudden you just, or, or you've stood in a room and somebody's walked in, you just notice that like the room changes. It's exactly what we feel when we're with a partner, right? We we experience that difference in, in change. And it's our nervous systems that picks us up. And, and when you're with, in a relationship with an addict, obviously some part of you is picking that up because there's so much intelligence inside of your body. There's so much knowledge there. So for an addict, uh, for a sex addict, for example, it's not really about the sex. What it is, it's about the anticipation. It's about the buildup. It's about the fantasy that they're going to experience. So it's not the act of sex because if they have sex and they've had the orgasm, what happens? It pulls them out of that fantasy. It pulls them out of that, like that wonderful euphoric feeling that they have. Right. And and a, a nice example that we can kind of actually use here is also let's take a cocaine addict, for example. Okay. That's a, that's a substance abuse. That's a substance addiction. Whereas with a sex and um, sex and, 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 um, Your porn, those are process addictions or those are behavioral addictions, okay? If you take a a person that's on cocaine, when they get their paycheck, what do they do? I mean, they literally already become high. You know, they don't have the cocaine just yet, okay? On their way to getting the cocaine, they're already high because they're already in that process of of what it's going to be like when they're high how good they're going to feel because they're going to shove, they're going to literally take the jacket off of responsibility off their shoulders from the family, from the pressures of work, from the pressures of the relationships, all of that stuff. And that's the same behavior. That's the same thing, right? That goes on in a sex addict or or a pornography addiction or uh, addict's mind. It's not about the sex. It's not about the end result. It's about that fantasy that they build up. It's, and this is, and, and the thing is with, with any, with, with the sex addict, for example, right, um, we have, oh man, this is where society has kind of screwed the pooch a bit, because what's happened is men are far more likely to come forward about their addictions, right, than women, because the problem that you're facing here is women have been shamed. You're a slut, you're a whore. Why are you, you know, sleeping around so much? So. So they, it's less likely for them to come forward that they have a problem that they that they're having more sex and and they well they're not, not having more sex that they they're chasing these people and they're getting involved in love addictions and all of those things right so they're less likely to come forward and they they're the guys they're they the ones that end up in so much pain because they've got to carry so much because we've ended up labeling people so badly that there's this huge fear of you know they don't want to be labeled a horror. they don't want to be labeled as anything like that. Because nobody wants to be broken. Nobody wants to be broken, right? And nobody wants to be judged in such a harsh way for being a slut. So we have really screwed the pooch in making it very difficult for women to come forward about addictions or obsessions, which is such a shame. It's a horrible shame of what we're doing to, to people.
0: Can I ask you, Marika, just while, while you're kind of at that point, like for, for people when, you know, if if somebody's in a relationship and say there's sex addiction or pornography addiction going on. Like what are the what are the typical uh flare shots and warning signs that this could potentially be happened? Because I know it's, you know, we need to be careful about diagnosing things that aren't there, and we need to be careful to not label people with things that aren't real um out of our own insecurities, which is which is really yeah. important. But equally, you know, I know from my own experience when I was in this situation of of all this stuff going on I just I didn't know but my Mm. body knew and so for me I remember at the time kind of thinking you know there was there wasn't really a huge amount on the internet at that time and there wasn't really a whole lot of support for people like me who was on the I wasn't the one with the addiction so I was the one trying to figure out what was going on with the addiction I was trying to figure out what it was what you know what was causing it was it my fault or you know all these different things that you go through but what are the typical warning signs? Because I can kind of see them now, <laughs> um, in hindsight. Yeah. But they're also they can also be quite fuzzy and unclear. What What is your experience of that?
1: You know, it is. It's difficult. It's like it's not like what you have with an alcoholic or a drug addict, where you can see that person. Is, you know, you can smell the alcohol. You know, you can see the if they've injected themselves or anything. You You don't see that. You know, so it's difficult when it comes to to that. I I always tell people please don't diagnose yourself. Go and see a psychiatrist first. Get the proper diagnosis, and from there you can come and speak to someone like myself. Okay, because it's it's what many times happens is, and this is what sort of makes it a bit difficult also to understand what the symptoms are because in some cases there's a co um, addiction or a cross addiction happening. Okay, so what you're dealing with is. You'll have a person that's got the sex addiction, but there's an there's an addiction to cigarettes, there's an addiction to alcohol, there's an addiction to some other kind of drug, even Cialis or even um, Viagra, right? Can can uh, is is like well, you know some of these people will will tend to abuse that, okay? Depending on if they're in a relationship or not, it's so difficult to kind of say to you, this is exactly the map to look for. It's so difficult because it is incredibly fuzzy. It's it's the same with someone that's got a eating that's got a food addiction, for example. which you don't really see that. You don't really see them constantly going to the fridge, you know, if you're not there, because they could hide that so well. They could hide their stash, and so a lot of times, what people may this is very potentially this is some will hide it behind the fact that they're working late. So, so you will. This is very, very like I said, this is so difficult, and and, and you don't. And I am so very weary.
0: Yeah, I know. It, it, you need to not be putting ideas into people's head just because yeah. they're late in work. It doesn't mean that they're doing something either. Yeah, exactly.
1: exactly. So I've got some- one of
0: the things that I noticed um, maybe to to help because I know which, I know totally what you're saying. Yeah, it, it's just you just need to be so careful. With it. But one of the things that I noticed was with when you're when you're in a partnership with somebody or in a relationship with somebody and they have a sex or a porn addiction. Quite often, for what my experience was, is in your own sex life there becomes a disconnect because yeah, when much, yeah. somebody when somebody's looking at porn or when mm. they're look when they're um, stimulated by essentially the stimulate they become destimulated by the yeah. normal things by the normal you know touch and yeah. normal lovemaking they're desensitized and it, and and what they look for and what they seek gets bigger and bigger in terms of extremes and so. Yeah. That's one thing. Do you want to maybe talk about that side? Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So what happens is why that happens is the brain actually starts creating less and less dopamine, normal, healthy dopamine in the brain um, through healthy stimulation. So what happens is, is when you flood the brain with pornography or sex addictions, right, it's getting like so much more dopamine and just goes oh I'm getting synthetic dopamine yay let me just kind of switch off the natural ability to do that or you know create my a little bit less of my own dopamine right so that's what happens and so people become incredibly desensitized so they'll end up becoming more riskier, right? When it comes to their pornography, their pornography will become a lot more riskier. Let's say they started off with just, you know, loving couples having sex, for example, right? That's how it started, like, oh, my word, what a great rush for them in that moment. Then, uh, you know, like six months later, for example, they so so they will start then going okay let's see threesomes let's add a threesome here because I want to see a bit of a threesome happening okay so the threesomes happening so they a few months later they then up their game to seeing orgies full blown orgies on um, in terms of pornography eventually will end up in let's say you know the rape scenes that they that they the the, the, the uh, artificial rape scenes that they create in pornography they might do that or where they're very hard handed with Uh, a a woman or a man for example where they're beating her that kind of thing so they end up becoming more and more and more riskier in what they're watching which could eventually lead to something like child pornography or bestiality you know pornography in that matter so they're chasing literally chasing that like needing to create that high because the brain's constantly adapting they dopamine to it constantly. It's constantly. Um, it's, it's, like, it's like having 15 layers of plaster placed on upon something, if that makes sense, right, because it just layers and layers and layers and layers and layers. So it becomes really, really risky. And so what you'll then some many times with pornography and sex addictions, you'll find that they'll go together. You'll have this individual, and I'll kind of come back a little bit to what you look for. There, but as I say to the view, to the people that's listening to this, please, please, please don't just go and take this and go, oh, you're ticking all these boxes, you're this and that. Please don't do that because it's the last thing that you want to do is to do that because you're going to end up chasing your partner even further into something where they don't want to be and you don't want to be either. You know, your partner might be. Very likely, like working late, that could be a, a sex addiction or a pornography addiction, because if they if they're working late, they might be visiting prostitutes or they might be you know together in like like what they uh, you know into a group party, all of those things. Because it's usually like they, they advertise the stuff in the newspapers at times, um, and they will you know kind of either use drugs together, which is a little bit diff- more difficult to hide if they're working late, but um, many times that, that that could happen and then you have people using drugs and then they, they get into the, the sexual escapades ex- for example. Um, your partner is like you've pointed out Deborah disconnecting like right? really disconnecting like you like you notice that they spend more time on their phone or on their PC for example. Um, they tend to kind of have passwords on everything, not allowing you to go into their stuff. Um, you know, they might get if you have someone with a pornography or sex addiction you know they they get irritated or angry or depressed or listless if they don't get their fix you know much like what a cocaine addict will go through but except the cocaine addicts go through a physiological um you know uh, withdrawal whereas you know with with uh, this it's not physiological they won't have tremors they won't you know have sweats or stuff like that but and they won't vomit, but in this case you'll find someone becoming incredibly depressed, withdrawing, you know, listless. Their work will suffer because, you know, if you're watching pornography five, for four to five to six hours in a day, you know, you're not going to really have a life because you're living so inwardly and you're not living ex- externally at all. Like there's no relationship with people outside of you. There's no ability to communicate, to connect properly with people outside of you, Right. So that's just a little bit of the iceberg of what you can expect in terms of, of some of the, like, very vague symptoms to look for in terms of, you know, the pornography addictions and sex addictions and that kind of thing. Also, their behaviour might – they might be also at times financial issues, right, because your partner might end up – if they, if there's especially a sex addiction and this is about a physiological thing and, they, and they're going out and doing the hunt – you know i mean they either they could potentially be using drugs which costs money they could be uh drinking you know becoming being an alcoholic that could be that's siphoning off all your your money not just that paying for hookers they're not cheap well you know um if you know what i mean so so there's those things that could potentially be happening that you that you don't see you know
0: and can I ask you as well? Because through my own experience when I went down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out what was going on, um, and it was a it was a it was a deep and dark rabbit hole, I can tell you. Um, like one thing that I had um you know, and I'm, the reason I'm sharing this is because I just feel that I can't, I'm not alone. I know there's other people who are in this situation and anybody who's listening, I would love, if they're experiencing this, I would love them to know that there, you know, there, there are support systems for you. You just have to go look for them. Um, But for what I'm talking about here, I felt that you know, nobody really understood it. But if you speak to a sex therapist, they can tell you all about it. They can totally clarify what's going on and um, they can make so much sense of it. And actually, it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, um, throw yourself out with the bat water and, and, and you know, you know, become so completely um, understanding of what's going on that you have to abandon yourself. But it certainly helps to understand what's going on. Like in your own experience, what's the recovery rate? Because my understanding of this, when I did my research, it wasn't amazing, the foundings that I discovered. Yeah. Um, I was in a situation that I was engaged to be married and I di- I hadn't gotten married. So for me, it was different. I was able to leave before it got any worse. But my understanding from my own research wasn't, uh, the prognosis <laughs> as a partner of that is difficult.
1: Yeah, Here's the thing, right? Um, with we're flooded with sex, like you you pointed out earlier. I mean, a billboard, right, with a, a provocative woman or man on it can trigger the experience, right? So the it's a long journey. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not a it's not something that within you know a week you sort it, okay? Because it is a process where you know, if the person really wants it, and I know this is is such a cliche saying, right? Unless it becomes problematic and this person really loves their family and there's this thing where they're going to lose them and there's this seriousness that it's going to destroy their life, they're going to lose their job, their name's going to, because a lot of times addicts don't want people to know that they've got this addiction because they're so incredibly shamed about it, right? If that in kind of the pipeline, this is not a suggestion, please people, like this is not a suggestion. If there's that kind of threat to them and their lives, then the chances of them really putting everything into their recovery, it's much better than a person that's been caught and they're sorry because they've been caught, not because they have the problem that makes sense. So recovery is a long, it's a bit of a long journey. And if you have the right support, the right therapies that you can use, the right methodologies, if you have the right everything, there's this is a recipe, right? You need to have the correct amount of eggs. You've got to have the correct amount of milk. Then recovery is good. And your therapist damn right needs to be really good and needs to understand so much about it, but not just understand it, but also have so many tools in there in the box that they have to help you because you've got to deal with triggers and here's the thing a trigger is a little cheeky little bastard and in the first year because i've dealt with with uh, a few clients that's you know that had helped self-harm to it then you know they added self-harm to the thing and and it's the same with self-harm is you have to catch that little bastard right? And you've got to retrain the brain to cope better with what's happening. If you can go in and you can teach this person to not fear what they're experiencing, to not make their feelings their enemies. If you can teach this person to fully embody themselves, to heal a lot of what's happened in the past, because majority of the time, this is because that person's been through trauma themselves. That's why they have the addiction. The addiction is not not the problem, it's the symptom of the problem. It's this desperate need to get away from what's hurting them because the brain doesn't tell time. You're still three, you're still four, you're still two years old, you're still six months old. The brain does not tell time. And so any little thing that is remotely causing them pain is gonna trigger them into their downward spiral. And if you can effectively deal with the downward spiral, the triggers, right? You can start laying a better foundation for that person again. And the chances of, you know, recovery is so much better because they're not going to sit there and fear the emotions. They're not going to sit there and they're not going to be constantly in the space where they're constantly triggered because you've gone, you've cleaned up the triggers effectively.
0: It's a bit like disempowering the monster. you know, if you face the monster head on and you can see the monster for exactly what it is, then it kind of disempowers the monster. Like anybody who's seen a superhero movie will know that when, you know, when the lights come on and the monster is shown to be who it's, it it just loses its power. But the one thing that I know in my own life, with anything that I've tried to fix, inverted commas, um, like it's an ongoing process, whether it's a sex addiction, a pornography addiction, an eating addiction, uh, and even down to codependency, you know, you know, there's this, codependent um thing that goes on even in the sex addiction relationship you know because somebody who's a sex addiction issue I would imagine the other person who in that relationship to some extent probably has some sort of a codependency issue because I I would say that that has been my own experience as well
1: oh yes very very much I mean that's usually that's usually the, the the perfect storm right is having the codependency issue, you know, issues in your own traumas. And, and, and I, I remember somebody once on Facebook said, so, you know, what's the, you know, what is the recipe for the perfect relationship? And my answer was sweet and short. I said, fix your baggage, fix your baggage and once more fix your baggage. And she said but what about sex and relationships? And I said to her, fix your baggage because when your baggage is fixed, right. Or, well, when you've look, it's such a weird word to use. When when you've dealt with your baggage, when you've understood yourself, when you what I mean by dealing with your baggage is dealing with your triggers, right? Because ultimately, it's about the trigger. The trigger is the secret. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Is is if you if you've started to deal with your triggers and you've moved into such an, an ability of having a much healthier relationship with yourself, you're going to be less triggered in other relationships, and you're going to less likely end up looking for the destructive partner. Because what you're dealing with is, with codependency is, you're dealing with a person that needs destructive dis- security, okay? It's destroying them, but it's security because they understand it. That's why majority of the case, not always, but majority of the case, you'll have a couple where the woman may have had an alcoholic father. And so she chooses the alcoholic man again because she understands it the brain understands it so the brain goes oh okay I know that this is what I understand my daddy was like that and I love my daddy regardless of him being an alcoholic because you know what even if he mistreated you there's still that there's still that attachment there that you're dealing with when I mean, you have this this person that that hasn't been able to integrate her wounding, that haven't that don't understand herself, that don't understand her triggers and her stuff and her codependency issues, she's going to go back to finding alcoholic daddy because she's got to heal that wound. And it's what she understands in the moment. So that's what you're dealing with in terms of this. You know, you've got in, in terms of the codependency. It's absolutely because they understand that destruction.
0: And I think as well, like there is a different attachment styles as well. And I I, forgive me now because I'm going to forget the world, but there's codependent, avoidant, and isn't there a third one or there's like a a different, do you, you know much about that? Is that something that you can maybe elaborate on a little bit to kind of show people perhaps because I think with with the codependent and avoidant it's usually the avoidant is they will initially my understanding is they initially attract each other because oh. they both need that it's a kind of a, a double uh edge sword as such but then the yeah. avoidant can't handle the intensity of the care so they tend to kind of run a little bit yes
1: so when it comes to okay so I'm gonna I want to try and do this as plainly as possible for you okay on this one um I'm not heavily into the attachment styles to be honest with you because i'm i'm based more on certain personalities okay so let's take it like this so you've got your You've got your personality that is kind of, they're out there, they're flamboyant, they're loud. Then you've got the personalities that's kind of uh, introverted. And then you've got the personality that needs to kind of show that whatever their partner wants, they will give it to them. Okay. So when you have, each of them has got their kind of their upside and then they've got their unproductive side, I suppose I can use. Okay. So you've got your, you've got your productive side, which is they're healthy, they're in a good space. Then you've got your unproductive side, which means that they're unhealthy. And. What I do, because I do that, that's how I work with my clients on 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 that. Is I work mainly on this personality process style, which I learned through the Essex Institute, um, which is Terence Watts's work, and that's how I work with my clients. And it's, I found that to be much more supportive than, you know, the person, than, than the attachment theory styles. And it's valuable in itself as well, not saying that it's not, but for me personally, in my work dealing with addictions and codependency and all of that stuff, it's been the one thing that I've really, really delved into was understanding how these personalities and how our personalities work in, in this and how it kind of trips us or how it supports us or it or, or you know if, you, if that makes sense. So I, so when it comes to the personality, to your unhealthy states in these personalities, what's going to happen is you. Let's take your secular personality for example. Okay, the secular personality is all about you know making sure that their partner is happy and and, and so on. And what they'll end up doing is, despite themselves, despite what they're going through, the discomfort, they will not be able to kind of get away from their partner because. They're more likely the the biggest thing here about a settler personality, for example, is that um, they were created, the settler personality was created. It was, it's, not a, it's not really the way that they are, so they'll freeze or they'll fall in a relationship.
0: what is what is that
1: word you're saying work at the do you say sacred personality? No, sacred personality. It's the settler, settler like you know, like the settlers, yeah. So you have the settler personality and they tend to freeze and form. They're in that survival mechanism where they freeze and form. And I'm pretty sure you've heard of the word form before. So it's it's you know, you'll you'll end up despite your own discomfort just agreeing with this person and because you don't want to create a fight, you don't want to do this. So that's what I work with in terms of understanding how these how these relationships are built and glued together. And, and like I said, for me, it has been much. it's been very, very valuable in helping my clients, because what I do is I take them based on that and I counsel them through, through their personality type and understanding their reactions mm. to their partner.
0: And, and communication and understanding yourself is such a big part of it as well. Like, you know, I think um, I know for me, when I when I eventually was able to get to the bottom of what was going on and release that, I was then able to work on myself. Um, Which is, you know, at the end of the day, you can only work on yourself. You can't work on somebody else anyway. They have to do their own work. Um, But in terms of, because I know you use Tantra. um, Tantra is a really um, important thing that you do in your work as well. Can you tell us a little bit about Tantra and just how that has helped your clients? Yeah.
1: All right. So I, I, okay. So my entire approach is integrated and holistic. And with the, so I've been training Neo Tantra and I, the way that it's helped myself and my clients is that we're, we're so scared of our emotions. We're so scared of what we're feeling. And in Tantra, what we do is we start to create this relationship with our bodies. We start to create this relationship with ourselves. We go deeply within ourselves and get to know ourselves. And this allows us to then start processing all the trauma because it's, it's, it's all about somatic As well, because we we bring in the somatic work, we bring in the you know in in the um, the neuroscience, we bring in all of that stuff because it's so holistic in itself, and and it's about just getting to absolutely know yourself so deeply, knowing and understanding your triggers, and making friends even with you know what so many clients will call to say to me is I have this demon, so making friends with this this demon because if you were to imagine for a moment that you are facing a wild animal and you've got it cornered, right? What does it do? It fights back when it feels threatened, okay? it's the same thing with an addiction. It's the same thing with everything out there as it fights back. But when you can go in and you can get to know yourself, make friends, this addiction is less likely to haunt you constantly because you understand what it's doing, why it's there. Because guess what, as horrible as addiction is, you know what, it's got a main reason it's there. And its root reason is it's trying to protect you. It's trying to help you on some level, because you're still three years old being abused. You're still five years old being bullied, you know, relentlessly. You're still seven years old as your sibling spies on you while you're bathing. Okay, so these addictions, that's the job there is to try and protect you, to help you. So when we bring in the tantric practices, we begin a healthier relationship with our sexuality. We create a healthier relationship with our personalities, a healthier relationship with our bodies. And instead of us, my clients and, you know, that I've, I've worked with in terms of an addiction, will say to me that they feel totally tranced out, spaced out, right? Now, what does that mean? That they just totally feel unconscious. They feel disconnected, detached, right? It feels like they go something takes over their body and they go into automatic drive. So what we do when we bring in the tantric work is ultimately we bring them into a space where they're so much more conscious and present that they notice what their body is doing they can sense a trigger in that moment without going into that trance state and zoning out and then going and acting on it and end up hurting themselves and somebody else. So that's how I've bought in the tantric work, but only after we've worked with the triggers, only after we've changed core identities. Because you know what? The brain's amazing, it's interesting, it's fascinating. The, if whatever core identity you carry about yourself, can I'll give you an example. If I have a client that constantly refers to herself as a fat ugly frog with anxiety, the brain's going to constantly create that picture in her, in her mind, and it's going to live up to that. She's going to constantly remain fat, she's going to constantly remain anxious, she's going to constantly feel like she's this gross little frog with no place to go. And so what we do is we bring in core identity change, which means we literally go in. And we show the the, the, the the brain that she's no longer that person, or he's no longer that person. So we change the quiet entity along with resolving the, the triggers, and then we move into the tantra, which is relating so much differently to your body, relating so much differently to the way that you feel about sex or that you feel about relationships, how you feel about yourself, because like I said. For an addict, it's not about the sex at the end of the day. It is about getting out of that pain in the moment that they're feeling because they got triggered and the trigger's unconscious. So what we do with the tantric work is we bring in that, we absolutely bring that person's consciousness into their life. You know, presence. Presence is everything when it comes to addictions. Everything. And I love that because presence. I think,
0: you know, it's so easy to, it's so easy when our when our minds aren't open to see What's happening in our lives is that's the other person. They're doing that to me when an actual fact, what it's doing is in every relationship. And this is my understanding and my belief. And, the, and like I've had my own lots of my own um, experiences in life where I've had to grow this perspective. And I really mean grow this perspective because it's something you have to cultivate and practice. Okay. Um, but there is this you know to have an understanding of what the other person is going through it's not so easy when you feel like you've been cheated on, you feel like you've been um you know you're really, really hurt, but actually as exactly as you're saying, like the other person is going through there's still a person they're still going through something there's still an issue, an underlying issue somewhere there um and it can be really difficult to separate your own hurt from what's happening, but actually to be able to and like if people are in a relationship where perhaps they have children and you know they're um committed to each other and they want to work through it i think this is probably the foundation as to where you would move forward from is to try and really understand What is it the other person is going through? And I think that this is equal for regardless of it being a sex addiction, pornography addiction, whether they have a mental health issue, whether they're suffering with depression, whether, you know, whatever the issue is in any relationship, the foundation for me is the same. It's get to know yourself, get to understand the other person, communicate between the two of you and and know that it's an ongoing process. It's always going to be an ongoing process and a practice
1: absolutely well here's the thing about relationships mm-hmm. it's an ongoing process whether it's a healthy relationship or whether it's one based on unhealthy uh, patterns okay you have to learn and, and, and we've been shortchanged terribly as human beings because none of us can communicate properly really unless we've gone through extensive training on how to freaking do that right I was horrible at communication I mean you know that was just not on my freaking to do list. <laughs> and and learning to communicate, right? And to and to create, and, and especially because with somebody like myself that has been through, you know, that, that's that's been through abuse and that's also got Asperger's and so on, it's very difficult to 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 connect with people now. With that being said, someone with an addiction, someone that's got mental health issues, it's difficult for them to connect right it's difficult for them to reach out and to really create a connection and to feel part of something and so with everything with this entire relationship right it, with addiction and, and healthy relationships it's an ongoing process of constantly knowing who you are constantly checking in with each other learning proper communication and connection exercises because that's something that you do that you need to do and that's where i bring the tantric work in as well the neo-tantric work is we create you know beautiful connection exercises and communication exercises for, for the couple. Um, because, okay, we've been speaking quite a bit about the about the person that's addicted, right? But we're not, but, but you know what? What a lot of people leave out is they forget to support the person that is with the addict. There's not enough support for the person that has got the addictive partner. Not a lot, because there's so many of us swimming, right? Like we're all swimming in this huge sea, and many people are drowning because they don't know, they're not being seen to, they're not, they're not being taken care of. And, it's, and, and if you've been hurt so much, you have this partner that's got this, this um, addiction, there's no trust there. You struggle with that trust. And you start reflecting it back on yourself and you start abusing yourself as a, as a, as a result. You actually start abusing yourself because you reflected back, you know, what am I doing wrong? Am I a horrible person? This person has an addiction. What's wrong with me? You know, and you're sitting with all those things, which just grows into a bigger monster itself until you face that monster, until you start healing that monster, you know,
0: I think that's that's one thing that I discovered, as I said, when I was going through that process, there really, really what I could see, like there was lots of things about addiction online or different kinds of addiction online. But the complexity of um, what I had gone through and my my experience, uh, it was very complex. There was a lot more to it than even what we're talking about here. Um there really wasn't any support for for the person. Yeah. For the for the partner. Um, and and i found that really difficult because there was a lack of huge amount of a lack of information online for the partner but there was equally a lack of community for the partner as well you know um and because it's such a hidden undercover thing It's very hard to talk about it because you kind of feel like, well, if my partner has a sex addiction problem, then, you know, it's all because of me, because, you know, I wasn't able to perform properly or I wasn't able to give him what what he wanted or, you know, or I wasn't attractive enough or whatever. All these different things that go on in our mind. But actually, this is what I this is my own learning and perspective has been. I was determined to get to the bottom and understand what was going on for him, which is why I went and spoke to a sex uh, therapist. So anybody who's actually going through this, go talk to a sex therapist. They know what the other person is going through, and it's going to help you understand yourself so much
1: more clearly. But not that, that not just that, right? It's not just about the talking. It's also about detriggering yourself and also further, mm-hmm. you know, creating the safety within yourself. Because for me, it's important that, yes, talk to us, but you know, it, there's no shame in, in us helping you to rebuild your, your own self-worth and self-love and your, because you know what? It's a difficult journey on your own when you're feeling so tired, so burnt out all the time. You've lost the pleasure in, in life because it's a difficult journey that both of you are experiencing. And so what people like myself can do is we can help you reconnect with your own pleasure, with your own joy a bit again, because then it makes it, you know, lot less like someone constantly picking at a freaking nerve all the time because that's what I found, right? And the, the perspective that I have, Deborah, is, 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 and I've gone through therapy myself, where I, but I still maintained in a space of, like, I still felt depressed afterwards. I still felt disconnected. I felt, still felt, it was until I was capable of bringing in the tantric kind of pleasure practices for myself, okay, that I was able to move more into a space of joy, which makes life easier for you, which makes whatever you're dealing with easier to deal with. And and by pleasure, I mean finding the things in life that gives you pleasure, that gives you happiness, it gives you joy, connecting with a friend, stroking your own skin, you know, stroking your hair, you know. And there's obviously then the more tantric practices that I take my clients through even though they have an issue with sex, it's important to still maintain that connection with it instead of vilifying sex as the, you know, the demon that killed your relationship, still bringing them into a space of still healthy connection. Because guess what? If you decide to divorce, if you decide to move on, right, you're going to take that pain that you've experienced in this relationship and you're going to bring it into the next one. And you shouldn't be doing that. You know, it's not, it, and it's not for the other person, it's for yourself. You shouldn't be doing that to yourself, right? So you want to really still maintain that connection with your own sexuality, your own sexual energy in a healthy manner, because... And it's the same thing as if you take somebody that's been in a car accident. I mean, they're scared of driving afterwards. They petrified, they're mortified at the thought of like they're going to drive because the thought that they could potentially be in an accident again is like it, it terrifies them, right? And the same with sex, right? If you're a partner and you've got a partner that's a sex addict or a pornography addict, you know, it's, you're going to create these associations with sex that it's horrible. But guess what? There's so much healing in, in, in the right way if it's applied in the right way, in the healthy way, with someone that understands this so deeply. You know, you're not going to sit with a baggage, an aftermath of oh, sex is horrible or it's an evil thing. The only reason why people goes, you know, go for any. Um, for sex or anything like that is it's it's you know they're trying to help themselves but unfortunately they've gone and they've gone a bit off the deep end and the brain's just gone okay well you know what i'm going to just let you take care of the pleasure now and so what we want to do is we want to constantly for the addict and the and the spouse or the partner of the addict we want to bring that ability back where you know this first of all the addict can create their own dopamine without the need for an outside source right and for the partner to feel safe that okay, even though my partner, you know, has this addiction, it's not it doesn't mean that sex is a horrible thing or that it or or, or that it's going to break everything up. So we've got to go in, we've got to dislocate, disband basically the association that sex is actually a bad thing.
0: It's an amazing subject that I that it's just there's so many different ways that we could dive into it and I know there's so much more to say and, and time is is an issue um, and it's something that perhaps at some point I'd love to come back and maybe get you to come back and talk about Tantra a little bit more because um, you know Tantra by itself has gotten this really bad westernized rap that has nothing to do with Tantra at all. Um, And I'd love to talk about that and demystify Tantra because I actually think the word Tantra can intimidate people quite a lot. Again, because it's to do with sex and there's a a different understanding of it. So
1: maybe you come back and talk about that. very briefly about Tantra. It's a philosophy. It is not, and it's not just about sex, right? What we did was we took the part of sex and that's we westernized it. That's what we did. But it's such a spiritual practice. And Neo Tantra obviously has got its more holistic view on on sex and sexuality and relationships, right? And it combines beautiful psychotherapy methods and that kind of thing to work with a person and the healing process. So that just wanted to quickly pop that in before we say goodbye.
0: And it's energy and breath work as well. Like there's a lot of uh, a lot to do with energy and breath work. So like you don't necessarily have to go into a room and have sex acts in front of people. Do you know what I mean? But people's perception. No,
1: it's yeah, it's not. It's not about the exactly. It's not about the nine hour orgasm. It's not about the nine hour long sex. It's not about. It's not really about that because. Really true classical tantra is a philosophy. It's all about digging so much deeper into you as who you are as an individual. It's about expanding. It's about knowledge. Tantra is about knowledge. That's what it's about. It's about knowing yourself, understanding everything around you in such a such a beautiful way and integrating whatever it is, you know, working with whatever energy comes up, doing breath work, doing massage, doing, you know, just being inside of your body, handling whatever emotions come up without going, oh, my God, oh, yeah. my God, oh, my God, I can't deal with this. But in fact, sitting there and going, oh. I've got sadness. There's exquisite beauty in the sadness. Let me see what the message is here. Alchemize it and see what comes up at the end for me and draw out the wonderful golden gift that's there for me. It's
0: a beautiful subject. We're going to have to have a we're going to have to do a session, a podcast session about it. So before (laughs) I let you go, um, I like
1: to ask people uh, what their intrepid wisdom is. Don't be scared to delve into yourself. Don't be scared of the anger. Don't be scared of the fear. Don't be scared of the sadness. Because in all of that, there's these tremendous gifts to up-level, right? That's why they're there. Your emotions are not your enemy, okay? And with that being said, you know, I see a lot of people going, I need to be high vibe all the freaking time. No, you don't have to be high vibe all the freaking time. Okay. Every emotion that you have has got a piece of gold inside of it. And it's up to you to sit there and decide, I'm feeling this tremendous sadness, or this tremendous guilt, or this tremendous grief, right, instead of trying to, to chase it away instead of being scared of it you know find a way to relate to it find a way to communicate with it and to see what the gift is that it wants to give you In the end of the day because we're, we're living in such an amazing world where we can explore ourselves deeper I mean if you look at Jung he went inside of himself and he went and he understood everything about himself his dreams the things that he thought were demons ended up yielding so much gold in them right and I always say to people, you know, none of your emotions are bad. They're wonderful. Stop referring as bad emotions. Stop referring uh, to, I need to constantly be happy. You know what? Seek peace. That's what I say. Seek peace. Always seek peace. That's above all, else. seek peace because it's going to be your greatest friend. And you get peace by understanding your emotions, making friends with them and not repressing them. That's the entire message of the work that I do. And believe me, once you've experienced the freedom in sitting with your anger and knowing it's, uh, because there's a potent, there's an impotent anger and then there's a potent anger that you can have. The potent anger you can direct, really creating a wonderful life. The impotent anger goes nowhere and it harms you and it harms your body. So learn about yourself, get to know yourself, know thyself. Like that's one of the biggest things that I will always say to people to know thyself. And as
0: you say, there's gemstones in it. Like, again, like the work that I've done through my whole entire life of trying to, inverted commas, fix myself, um, has been mm-hmm. very much to do with that. Like, and I, I most certainly see emotions as being, they're signposts back. Everything is a signpost back to yourself. And I'm always saying this, whatever the emotion, whatever the feeling whatever the experience whatever the trauma it's just it's it's an opportunity instead of feeling disempowered by what's happened feel yes. into your body if you can and feel what does that where is that signpost taking me you know where is it bringing me and eventually it will bring you back to yourself and i feel it's always about and and that's what it is and that's our journey we're all on the same journey we're all heading in the same direction which is back to ourselves. It's back to source, where we came from, God, whatever you want to believe. Um, but we're all going back the same way. So I just love that. It's really, really beautiful. Um, and you have a freebie, I believe for our lovely listeners.
1: Oh, yes. I, well, it's the queen. It's called the queen of intimacy. I thought when, when we spoke, I thought I'd create something special for them, which just, it just introduces you to your inner queen that is about intimacy, right? And intimacy is not necessarily always about sex. Intimacy is about the ability to communicate, to be sensual within your own right you know, to love yourself. So there's a little bit of a a free meditation that i created for you and with a little bit of a workbook which asks you to go through a few questions to just kind of start embodying that a little bit more, you know. Um, So you're very welcome to have it. And I'd love if any of you want to share anything or experience with it, I'd love to hear from you, Um, you know, what your experience was. Because I created it with so much love and with the intention that, you know what, this was all about intimacy today. You know, it's all about talking about sex and, and communication and all of that stuff. And I wanted to create this special little audio that just helps you move more into this ability to be intimate with yourself, with others. And like I say, not necessarily sexually, but, you know, be able to communicate Open yourself, not so totally shut down because it's so easy because we've been hurt so much to shut down our hearts completely. And that shutdown is what creates so much trauma for us and so many freaking horrible side effects it's you know so I really hope that it benefits all of you that's going to listen to it and just know that I've met it with so much love and compassion for you thank you so
0: much and I'll put the links below so for anybody who's listening who'd like to get in contact with you directly and would like to work with you or would just like to connect and maybe know a little bit
1: more how can they get in contact with you Okay, so they can get in contact with me through my website, which I will give you the link to, which is the www.vidaflow.co.za. I am working on uh, another website which is coming up soon. Um, you can get con- you can contact me through there um, and through my you can apply to work with me. There's a strategy form that you can fill out with some questions on what the problem is. Uh, Be aware it is intensive because, you know, I work with limited time. I need as much information as I possibly can get. And I read between the lines so, if you want to apply with me, you can find all of that information on there, or you can send me a direct email through my contact form on my email as well. And I will get back to you as soon as possible about whatever it is that you need to know. I also have, I'm, I'm also on Facebook. Um, I've got my pages and so on on there, which is you can look for my name and surname. And I'm pretty sure that you'll find a photo that remotely resembles me that Deborah's is going to <laughs> have on, on her site and so on. But um, you'll have all the links. So I'm sure that we can sort out all the links for them, Deborah. if that's Perfect. okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you
0: so much for coming on today. You're a fountain of knowledge. Um, I really hope that in some way, whoever's listening to this, that it'll help them in some way. I, I You know, whether people are going through, any of what we've discussed, I think it'll still help anybody who's listening to it. You know, it's really, as you say, it's about intimacy, it's about communication and connection. That's really what it is. Like human, the human experience is about connection and it's it's understanding each other's journey. So thank you so, so much. It's been really, really inspirational and eye-opening.
1: Thanks for having me. It was really wonderful having this amazing chat with you. I really loved every minute of it. I look forward to more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So for those of you who are listening to the podcast or watching the video on YouTube, don't forget to like comment and share to let me know that you care. To stay up to date, hit the subscribe button and bell to receive notifications. And for podcast links and free gifts, check out intrepidwisdom.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. And if you'd like to support the show, there is now a donate button there also. So in the meantime, thank you so much for listening and stay curious. Mm-hmm.